Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. It still comes when there aren't many of us. It's great, wasn't it? Just a sense of his presence. And he really means it when he says we're two or three are gathered, I'm going to be there in the midst. And so it's been, it's been precious, and, and I want that precious time for us to continue. Um, so, so let's pray. Father, your faithfulness to us is, is mind-blowing. Your tenderness with us, the way you deal with us, the way you speak to us, personally, the way you are able to describe something we can relate to, like a piece of washing underneath the pile, and the pressure and the heat of the iron, but it's all for good. And we can hear those words spoken as if they are your very words to our hearts. How kind and tender you are to us. Holy Spirit, how precious to us is your presence. And we pray that you will help us never to take it for granted, but always to provide a place in this church and in our hearts where your Holy Spirit is welcomed and revered and honoured and given space. Lord, we pray we will never, ever squeeze you out that we won't squeeze you out of our own lives by our busyness and by pursuing other things. We will never squeeze you out. And that in our church, we will never squeeze you out by programs and ideas of people and men and women. But we will never squeeze you out, Holy Spirit, because you are life to us. And so continue with us, we pray. In Jesus' name and for the glory of the Father. Amen. We are going to look um, briefly at something this morning. And I'm, I've also asked Sophie to come up in a minute as well. She's going to, she didn't know, but she's going to uh, just tell us a bit of her story, really. And so it was interesting that we, when we shared communion, John talked about coming to the table, remembering your story. And almost that's really, I guess, sort of where I think I'm going this morning with this word. is about remembering the story. And um, we're looking at uh, Colossians, the book of Colossians. And it's it's, uh, a letter written by Paul to a church he'd never been to, but was probably a church that was planted out by a man called Epaphras, who had been in Ephesus when Paul was in Ephesus. And then this guy, Epaphras, went from Ephesus back to this place called Colossae, which is about 100 miles from Ephesus, and it's in modern-day Turkey. And he travelled back there, and it's thought that this guy, Epaphras, or Epaphroditus, as his long name is called, sometimes you can shorten it to Epaphras, that he then built, he established this church in Colossae. And Paul writes to this church towards the end of his life. He's in prison. He's in prison in Rome, and he's only in prison for two years before then the emperor orders that he be executed. And during this two years in Rome, 
Paul writes a number of letters, and one of the letters he writes is to this church in Colossae. And apart from the normal reason of writing this letter to just encourage the church, he was also writing to address something. Because what had happened with this church was that some other teachers had come in and they'd started to give this church the impression that there was some sort of secret knowledge that they had to find out to really be able to to be, be Christians, to really be able to pursue God. There was this sort of secret knowledge that you somehow had to pursue. And what that was called was Gnosticism. It then grew, unfortunately. I don't know whether it grew in the church in Colossae. We have to hope that Paul's letter stopped it in its tracks. But across the church, this thing called Gnosticism then started to grow a little bit, where people were teaching, no, there's some mysterious truth that you have to pursue. It's the gospel's not quite enough. You know, the message of Jesus coming so that you can be saved from all of your guilt and sin, that's not quite enough. There's actually, there's some other stuff that you need to find out. You need to move on from that. That was a good start, but you need to move on from that. And uh, so Paul is writing to this church and trying to address this. And so we're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 1 of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, And Timothy, our brother. So Paul and Timothy are are co-authoring this letter. To the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that's come to you. All over the world, this gospel is producing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, my dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's a wonderful passage, isn't it? It's wonderful. And what Paul does right at the start is he brings the the church at Colossae back to the first truths that they first believed. 
So I love this phrase. He says, the gospel began to bear fruit in you as soon as you understood God's grace in all its truth. As soon as you understood God's grace in all its truth. We might think that um, this idea of the church in Colossae and other churches beginning to pursue other things was a little bit naive of them. We might think that that sort of thing doesn't happen today. We might think we're not prone to that sort of thing. But do you know, actually, I think we are. We are prone to that too. We are sometimes prone to thinking, well, I'm not quite living the life that I feel I should be. There must be something I'm not quite getting. There must be some secret knowledge that I, that I need. There must be something more than just, it's more than just Jesus, surely it must be, because there's still some stuff in my life that I feel is not right. So there must be something I'm not getting. There must be some secret knowledge. I'll tell you what it, how it plays out for me. Is I'm a quite a reader, I enjoy reading. And um, if I'm reading a book and it quotes another book, I think, oh, I must get that one. I must get that one too. Because perhaps that one's got the secret word that I need that's just going to unlock my spiritual growth and maturity. And maybe I don't verbalise it quite like that, but that's sort of, in effect, that's what's going through my head is I need something, I need a bit, do you know what, I'm, to make me take the next step, I need another thing, I need another bit of knowledge. And our, actually, in, in church life, if you read blogs and that type of thing, they're great, but do you know what, that can lead to that too. You read that blog, that, I, I, I always read his blogs, because you know, he's, he's the extra bit of wisdom, you know, that gives me what I need, you know, and I'm always waiting for his next blog I'm always and actually he's retweeted that so actually I'm now going to follow him too I'm now going to follow him and uh, if we're not careful and I talk from experience here if we're not careful what happens is that that becomes the thing the secret knowledge that we are constantly trying to pursue Because out there, there must be that one secret thing that's going to move me to my next step in the the faith. Or or is going to do away with, because I still struggle with stuff, do you know? But I just think there must be something out there that means I won't struggle anymore. There must be that next bit of knowledge. There must be that that person, I've I've never read anything by him before. One of the ancients. Actually, the ancients, they'll have it, won't they? Let's go back into the days of Augustine. I wonder if he's got the secret. And we end up, if we're not careful, pursuing extra knowledge. We might think that the church in Colossae were the only ones that were vulnerable to it, but actually, do you know what? We're all vulnerable to it. And it's so interesting what Paul does. What Paul does is he takes them right back to the beginning and he reminds them of the fruit that began to grow in their lives the day they heard and understood God's grace in all its truth. He takes them back to understanding what happened to you when you were first saved. He takes you back to the beginning. He takes you back to the message of 
dirty, filthy, unacceptable to God. No hope. To utterly clean, acceptable. Every single day, accepted. Uh, there's a guy called Jerry Bridges, and he, he writes this. I don't know if you can relate to this. I can relate to this. He says this. He says, it's as if there are two courts that we have to deal with. There's the court of God in heaven, and there's the court of conscience in our souls. And when we trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, God's court is forever satisfied. Never again will a charge of guilt be brought against us in heaven. Our consciences, however, are continually pronouncing us guilty. Therefore, we must, by faith, bring the verdict of conscience into line with the verdict of heaven. And we do this by agreeing with our conscience about our guilt, but then remembering that our guilt has already been borne by Christ. How are you doing with the court of your conscience and the court of heaven? Come back to the court of heaven where he has declared you not guilty, clean. Your conscience might be telling you something different. And you know, sometimes that's the thing that causes us to start seeking after extra stuff. I just feel a bit better, you know, I'm not quite, I just... Okay, so you, go, you can go two ways. When your conscience starts telling you something just not there, it can drive you to begin to look for other things, or it can drive you back to the grace that you first heard about. And that's what Paul is encouraging this church to do, to return to that grace that they first heard about. And so it's so interesting that um, John encouraged us to go back at communion to that, to that moment, to that time when we were saved. Because that's exactly what I've asked Sophie to do. I've asked Sophie in a moment to come up and and tell us a little bit about that. And the thing that reminded me about, about Sophie's story is that hearing the gospel again is probably one of the things that so helped me when I had been a long way away from God. And so a few years ago, I was, I was very distant from God. And somebody at my church rang me. I was still going to church, but really it was empty, totally empty. And um, I was living a bit of a double life. And somebody at church who was responsible for the Alpha course kept ringing me and saying, would you come and help on the Alpha course? And I sort of knew where I was at at that time. I just thought, you know, I can't help on an Alpha course. I'm not even sure where I am with some of this stuff. But she kept on ringing. And in the end, she rang and I said to her, "Look, look, if you really can't find anyone else, get back to me. And she did get back to me. She rang me and said, look, I really can't find anyone else. You don't have to talk, she said. You're just going to be a support leader. You're just going to sit with a group. That's all you have to do. You just have to be nice and smile at people. That's all you have to do. And so um, in the end, I agreed. You know, I'm so grateful to God that I did. Because what happened while I was on that Alpha course was I heard again... Grace of God in all its truth. I heard it. I heard it and I watched it having an effect on other people. I watched what it did to people who were 
complete unbelievers, complete atheists, far away from God, have angry with God, questions about suffering. And I watched some of these people as the weeks went by soften as they heard the story of the gospel and they met Jesus. I tell you what, it just oh, transformed my life. Transformed my life going back to hear about the grace of God in all its truth. And, uh, and so the next season of Alpha... This lady then said, oh, will you lead a group? I said, oh, no, I can't lead a group. She said, no, no, I really need you to lead a group. And it was at that time that I met, I had the joy of meeting Sophie, who came as the support leader in that group. And we got to know each other, and I heard her story. And so because it is good to go back to grace in all its truth, I've asked her to just come and tell us a little bit about her story. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Phil just asked me, just as I walked through the door this morning, so I haven't thought of anything or prepared anything, and I was just thinking in the worship, oh, what am I going to say? <laughs> like, there's a million things that I could talk about um, that God's done in my life, so it's, I, was, I was really overthinking it, um, and then in the worship, God was like, you know what, you've, you've got nothing, like, intellectually today, I've had a really, really busy couple of weeks at work. I've been revising for some final exams. And uh, just emotionally, I'm just like... So, and on Friday, I forgot the passcode for my phone, uh, the code that I put into my phone hundreds and hundreds of times a day. I was like, I just... I can't... It was just gone from my head. So um, just as a bit of a build-up to whatever I'm going to say, I've got no idea. Um, so it's just... It's straight from God through to me hopefully that's the best way anyway so um yeah so maybe i'll just start from the beginning and phil has said that i've got as long as i want so you know 45 minutes <laughs> probably not um so yeah when i was about 15 um i was i did my family aren't christians or anything um i'd never really been to church for apart from like funerals and things like that um and i was i was pretty lost and uh, I was pretty broken. Um, yeah, had some issues, had lots of stuff going on. Um, and I was walking down the road with my friends, and I was pretty cool back then. Still am, I think. Um, <laughs> but that's just me that thinks that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I dared a friend of mine to knock on a door, and some of you probably would have heard this before, but um, there was a poster for the Alpha course, and I was like, oh, yeah. I dare you to knock on the door and ask about that course. And I'd got no idea what the course was. I thought it was a course for adults that couldn't read, that had to learn how to read, for which a poster is really useful to advertise that. Um, <laughs> so uh, there was like five or six, like 14, 15-year-olds, a bit uh, having a bit of fun, and we knocked on the door, and uh, this really happy, smiley woman answered the door, and she was like, oh, it's about God! <laughs> We were like, oh, okay, fine. We'll, uh, and I left. I ran away and I left my friends at the door. And they came away and they were like, oh yeah, she's uh, she's given up. We gave her our phone number, and she texted a couple of weeks later to, to tell us about the youth group. And we were like, I was like, oh, no, none of that, please. No, I'm not going to church. Um, and the, that church in um, 
the particular church that it was, uh, it was in a big warehouse. It wasn't in like an old church building. It was, and we were like, oh, it's a bit weird. I don't really know about that. Um, and then I, I'd got a job in the news agents uh, in the little village that we, we lived in. Um, and, uh, well, I, I call it a village. It's not a village, but anyway. Um, and she kept coming in to buy magazines for her kids. And um, she'd be like, oh, hi, how are you? And so we, we just kept bumping into each other. Um, and then one day she was really, really brave. And, I mean, she was, like, in her 30s, and I was a pretty scary 15-year-old. Um, and <laughs> I think now, man, that was really brave because I'm pretty scared of some 15-year-olds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, she said to me, oh, we're doing this thing. We're painting the Scout Hut. You know that Scout Hut that you and your friends sit behind and smoke and drink and graffiti we're going to paint that and um we want to put like some proper stuff on it like make it really cool will you come down and help and I was like yeah okay yeah and there was something in me that was like oh she wants she wants my help no one's ever wanted my help before like okay I'll go and I dragged my friend along and we sat there I didn't really do anything at all I just sat there like looking grumpy um, and then she was like, oh, well, we've got this thing tonight, and I'm doing my testimony. I was like, oh, what's that then? Um, I don't think she called it a testimony, actually. That would have been weird. But she, um, she was like, oh, I'm going to get up on stage. There's going to be, like, a 1,000 people there, and I'm really, really nervous. Will you come? And when I'm on stage, I'll just look at you like I'm just talking to you. And I was like, oh. I, just, I felt, like, really valued. And so I did, and I dragged my same friend along. And she was like, oh, this is really weird. I was like, oh. And uh, just over the course of, like, uh, I think it was about a month, I'd, I'd met a few people there, and they were just, they were really interested in me, and, uh, and they, they wanted to get to know me, and they were just really nice, and they just seemed really genuine, and, like, they didn't expect anything of me. I didn't have to be something. I could just, I was just there, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then uh, I went one Sunday night, and... Um, of one of the girls that I'd got to know was preaching the gospel. And I, to be honest, I don't think I was even really listening. Um, and at the end, I'd been in the meetings when they'd done calls to respond before, and I thought, oh, no, that's, that's not for me. I'm not, oh, there's no way I'm going up the front. Um, and she did a call to respond, and I was like, I was sat standing there next to this other girl that I'd known, and I was like, they were like, put your hand up if you want to give your life to Christ. And I was like... And this girl next to me was like, do you, do you want to put your hand up? I was like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Do you think we could just go to the back? And so they were really nice. They didn't force me to put my hand up or go up the front and, you know, embarrass myself. Not that it's embarrassing to do that. Um, <laughs> and they were just like, I was like, yeah, okay, I want some of this. Whatever you've got, I want it. And I don't, I don't really understand what it was, but I, I want it. Like, there's... I feel valued here. I feel like I'm worth something here. Like, even though I didn't, I came with nothing. I came like really, really broken. And I, I just felt like that's where I needed to be. That's where life was. And uh, so uh, my, the, my friend who was preaching came over and she, she was like, man, you're going to heaven. And I was like, what? I'm going to heaven? I didn't even realise that was part of it. <laughs> like, what? And then uh, I saw the woman, the next day I saw the woman that, was, um, that I'd, I'd knocked on her door of and 
was like, oh, so I've become a Christian. And uh, she was like, oh, wow, how do you feel to have all your sins forgiven? And I was like, oh, my sins are forgiven. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was part of it. Like, and then over like a few weeks, well, over the last like 11 years, every, every day God teaches me something new about what it is to be his child. And um, it's just, and it's really funny, um, the words that like, Derek, I wasn't going to say your name yet, it's just, but in a sec, I'll say your name. Um, thanks, John. Uh, I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell me what your name was, but you've ruined it. You've ruined it. Anyway, I think we've got another 40 minutes. Uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, yeah, so I, it's something that I've really battled with is um, when people ask me to give my testimony. Um, because I'd, I'd become a Christian and I was, and a few people at the time in the churches that I was in, um, they'd be like, oh, we're going to do this like youth thing with like kids from the estate and we want to wheel you out and get you to do your cool testimony because you're down with the kids. And, and it, it was probably about a year or two after I became a Christian, I just started thinking, actually, I, I, don't, really, I don't really feel this. I don't really know what... I stand up there and I say, like, oh, yeah, and then I was like this, and now I'm like this. But really, when I'm at home on my own and the door's shut and I'm still broken, like, um, I don't, what is this all about? Like, I'm missing something. I've missed it. Like, but the, the one thing, really, that kept me going was that there was hope that this was, there was something. That this was the only way that anything could ever change. But it was just... I was like, oh, it's just not a reality. Um, and about, if you'd asked me 18 months ago, I wouldn't have stood up here and done my testimony because I would have said, like, yeah, that was 10 years ago and nothing has really changed. Like, I'm a very different person. <laughs> I moved to London and all of that sort of stuff. But nothing, like, I'm still really broken and I just don't... And it's still the same stuff. And there's still, like, such, uh, like, darkness and... It's still such a battle, but not one that I feel like I'm winning. Um, and then, uh, I guess just over a year ago, um, God reached down into his washing pile <laughs> that Derek was talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and it really, for me, it was like the last thing. And I was like, right, I've got to throw everything I've got at this. And God's like, well, you don't because I'm throwing everything I've got at this. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, uh, he just really grabbed me, and I don't like, and it was just healing me in his time. And uh, that broken little girl is much less broken now, and it's like, oh, this is what it is. And through all of that, and sometimes, so I think that I dismissed those like 10 years where nothing, where I felt like nothing really happened, um, and then. One of you lovely men who were talking <laughs> said um, about bearing fruit, Phil, I think it was you. Um, and I was talking a few weeks ago to, to one of my friends, and she was saying, oh, yeah, I remember about five years ago, and this, you did this. And, it, you know, that really, like, impacted me. And it was like a real, she was like, it was a prophetic thing. And at the time, I was like, I, did, I couldn't even remember. It wasn't. It was, yeah, it was weird. And I just thought, oh, actually, like, even in that time, God was doing stuff. And even in that time, he was preparing me. 
And he didn't just start when I was 16. He started before the foundations of the earth. And it's just like absolutely blows my mind. Because um, it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, where were you, God? Oh, well, actually, I became a Christian when I was 16, and that's when you started being interested in me. But he, it wasn't then. It was before the foundations of the earth. It was when he was hanging on that cross, and he was thinking of me then. And he was thinking about how I would be standing here talking about how great he is and what he's done. And so, yeah, I could probably stand here all day and talk about how great he is, but I think that's, that's pretty much it. It's great, isn't it? Reminds me of um, something that John Newton said. It's one of my most favourite things, and I often pray it over myself. He said, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish to be. I'm not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I'm not the man I used to be. Not the man I used to be. And so it's absolutely right. Even when we don't feel that he's doing stuff in us, he is active in us. And it is so helpful just to hear her story, isn't it? And to know actually that he began this good work in us before the foundation of the world. And however much you might feel like you're at the bottom of that heap, and however creased you might feel that you are, he is about doing a wonderful work in you. It's good to go back and to remember what the grace of God actually means what he's really rescued us from. And so when you are feeling like there's something missing, don't be tempted to despair and to feel like you've got to find out that secret piece of information that somehow must be out there, but you haven't quite found it. Because actually what he's calling you to do is to go back. When you're feeling like that, he's calling you to go back, to go back to the gospel. Practically, what that can mean is sometimes it's really helpful for us to have verses that are really helpful and precious to us, that just describe how he feels about us, what he's done for us, so that there are things when you're feeling like that that you can immediately latch on to. A verse from a song that's really precious to you that tells you how God feels about you, that you love singing, or a good hymn verse or something that you've memorized, something in your head that you can go back to. So that you can remind yourself again, like Paul does here, about the grace of God. Because that's where he wants to take us when we feel like there's something missing. It isn't to try and find out this missing link, this missing piece of puzzle. It's to take us back to the gospel. This guy, Jerry Bridges, he says this. He says, there are a number of factors that go into the pursuit of holiness, trying to be better, But none is more important than learning to preach the gospel to yourself every day. To tell yourself that, yes, you are a miserable sinner, but you are saved by grace. That every day is a new day with him. That his mercies are new every morning. It's wonderful stuff. What else does Paul say in this account? Well, he goes on to pray for this church. And he prays that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will 
through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Or another version says, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And what he's saying there is not necessarily that actually we're praying that God will reveal his will about who I should marry or what job I should do or whether to get on that bus or wait for the next one. Not that type of will, but actually the will that describes for us what sort of life he would have us live. And it's the Holy Spirit that reveals that to us. And so we go back to the gospel, we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ And then Paul is saying, and now I'm praying that you will, having done that, that God will reveal to you the sort of life that he wants you to live. And he describes it. He says, I want God to reveal this to you in order that. And so here are some of the things that he says. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Or that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pleasing him In every way. Make it your ambition to find out what pleases the Lord. As you walk with him, he will reveal that to you. He will show you how you should live in a way that pleases him. There's another of the letters that Paul writes where he says, find out. Find out what pleases the Lord. How do you do that? You walk with him. You walk with him. He reveals to you what pleases him. Pleasing the Lord in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. You know, it's interesting. This morning I was driving here and um, I drove past some trees and I thought, oh, they're beginning to turn. And uh, when I met Sophie this morning, she said, oh, a bit colder walking to church this morning. And uh, you think, ah, we're in, we're in the last days of summer. And uh, as I was driving, I've just thought, oh, that's, probably, that's a bit like me, actually. I feel like in life, I'm coming up towards the last days of summer, if you think of your life in seasons. And the leaves are beginning to turn, while well, the hair's beginning to turn. And in the last days of summer, approaching autumn. And... Uh, And it was interesting, I then almost immediately, almost felt God whisper, and that's the time when the fruit comes. That's the time for fruitfulness. I thought, oh God, yes, thank you. Yes, yes, please. Yes, please. You can be fruitful in any season of life. And that's what God is wanting for us as we walk with him, to be fruitful. And we don't have to work out what that means, because that's why Paul prays that we will have by the Holy Spirit, a knowledge of his will. You don't have to go and work out what you have to do to be fruitful. He makes that plain for you through the knowledge of his will that he gives you by the Holy Spirit. Do you make time to hear that? Do you make time to hear him speak to you about the knowledge of his will? We live in a frenetic society. How often do you carve out moments when you can hear him, when you can be in solitude, it's really important to do it. You know, sometimes we say, I don't know what God wants for me, I'm not sure what he really wants for me, oh well. And sometimes the question we need to ask is, have I carved out those moments when actually I'm allowing him to do that? Am I making time? Am I following the spiritual disciplines? We talked last week about 
spiritual disciplines, about Jesus talking about what happens in the hidden place. And he says, your father will reward you if you do stuff in the hidden place. He says in Matthew 6, if you fast in the hidden place, he'll reward you. If you pray in the hidden place, if you give secretly in the hidden place, he rewards you. Are you carving out time in the hidden place? So important. Sometimes we expect to just hear God by osmosis. But actually sometimes it's the hidden place where he reveals himself. And then Paul says to this church that he wants them to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And you might expect after that that there's going to be something like so that you can achieve fantastic miracles and work wonders in the earth. Because it's a big build-up. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. It's a bit of a come down, isn't it? Really? Really? I'm mulled over that. Why? Why does Paul say that we need this extra special strength and and he's building the case up and it sounds like it's going to be something really exciting here and it's for patience and endurance. Why is that? Because God loves it when you do that. Because God loves it when you are facing trial and difficulty and you endure it for him. He loves it when you face something at work And you know you could say something. You know you've got a case. But you choose to quietly endure it for his name. You need power to do that. And he loves it when you do that. You know, some of the most inspiring stories that we hear about Christians, and you hear them on that they get, they're so inspiring that even the national news picks them up. And it's those stories about when people have faced huge injustice, usually to a family member. And they come on the telly and they say, but I forgive. But I forgive. Don't you think that that needs huge power from the Father to be able to do that for endurance? And yet it speaks volumes. You may never have to do that. You may never have to forgive someone who's done a huge injustice to you or to your family. But you will constantly be called on by the Lord to exercise endurance and patience where you are. To not speak out when you could. To take a blow when you know that that wasn't your fault. To not fight back with, with ex- explanations and reasons why and justifications. And sometimes that will be seen by others. And sometimes it won't. But he sees it. And he loves it. And he is about something in you. He's about a great work in you. He is bringing about fruit in your life. It's interesting, isn't it? Paul uses that word fruit. And what are the fruits of the spirit that he describes? They're not to do with stuff you do out there necessarily. It's stuff that you allow him to do in here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. It's what he does in you. That is the fruit that he wants in you. 
That is what he is working in you. And he does it through giving us knowledge of his will by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he finishes this section off by saying, be patient and enduring and have endurance with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. It's like a grace sandwich, this prayer. Do you know, it starts with telling the the church at Colossae, go back to the grace that was first yours. Remind yourself of that. Feed yourself of that. Go back to those days when he first rescued you. Go back and think what it was that it was like to be rescued out of your sins. Go back to it every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then... Once you've got yourself in that position where you know that you are clean before him, now you're ready to start asking him so that you can live a life that's worthy of him. And he'll show you how to do that. So live a life that's worthy, be fruitful, let him have his way in you, build build up your knowledge of him. And then there's more grace at the end of this section. Because you've been delivered from one kingdom out of another, because he's forgiven you for all your sins. It's like this wonderful grace sandwich. And we've experienced some of that this morning. We've been just reminded of where God has brought us. Do you know, this has not been my most eloquent preach. But the one thing that I don't apologise for is for us going back again and again to the grace of the gospel. To the truth of the grace of the gospel. And to encourage all of us to return to it regularly, to preach the gospel to yourself daily. If you don't, what will happen is you will be tempted to do what this church did and start to listen to whispers about there must be some other secret knowledge that I don't know about. Or you'll be tempted to despair. But go back to the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Remind yourself again and again that he has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and he's brought me to the kingdom of the son he loves. And now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And now nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in him. And now I'm declared righteous and now I'm justified and now I'm not guilty anymore. And now I'm seated with him in heavenly places. The one mystery that Paul does talk about in Colossians, a little bit later in chapter 1, he says, there's this one mystery. He allows, them to, he allows them the indulgence of this one mystery. He says it's a mystery that's been hidden from the ages, but revealed to us in the later days. You know what it is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the one mystery that you're allowed to pursue. That's the one mystery that you can spend your time meditating on. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Don't ever forget to preach the gospel to yourself. Do it regularly. I will do it regularly. Because that's what brings us hope. And that's what brings us life in him. And that's what he wants for us, to be constantly reminded of the gospel. 
that the gospel is not just for that day that Sophie talked about when she first gave her life, but actually the gospel is for every other day too. Let's pray. Father, we do just thank you for the power of the good news that we were once in darkness and now we're in light. We thank you for that wonderful news that frees us from feelings of inadequacy and guilt and condemnation. And Lord, those voices come to us again and again and again. And yet, we thank you that your voice is stronger. We thank you that your truth is stronger. We thank you that although we might not be the people that we long to be and we want to be, we are so grateful we're not the people we used to be. That you have carried out a good work in us and you have promised to be the one who will carry it on to completion. And we thank you just for hearing the story that Sophie told that actually even in the difficulties Still, she looks back and realises, sometimes from what other people have said, that you've done such a work in her. And we thank you that that is true of us too. The gospel of grace is bringing about great fruit in our lives. And you are the one who is doing it. And we acknowledge it, Lord. Yes, we might not be where we want to be, but we do acknowledge what you have done and we are grateful for it. And yes, we ask you that you will help us to live a life that is worthy of you, that we will bear fruit in every way, that we will find out what pleases you. And all of that will be encompassed in the wonderful news that we are forgiven, saved, rescued, secure, loved, and that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, that's kept in heaven for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your love to us. And we ask that you would carry out your good work in us until the day you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. I just think um, it's an opportunity for us to respond. Um, Before we go home today, there's no doubt that God has been consistently saying something throughout the service today. And... um, it would be remiss if we were to say that was great, thank you very much, and then get on with our lives. There's an opportunity, because God has said three or four times, this is what he would like us to do. He'd like us to open ourselves up to him. He'd like us to remember the journey that he's taken us on. He'd actually like to remind us, given that he's taken us on that journey, the journey he is taking us on, which we haven't yet seen. And by faith, to actually embrace that. I believe he's also saying it's time for some of us maybe just to open up except we are where we are right now but ask him to come in and perhaps start us on that journey afresh where we've closed down maybe where it's a case where we've lost faith we've lost belief in where he's taking us and you know Sophie made a choice when it was a year 18 months ago She actually made a choice. She said, I'm going to let you in, God. I'm going to let you do something. I might actually have carried something for 10 years not knowing what to do with it. But actually then I got to this point where I said, I'm going to allow you to do something.
And that won't have been a, an easy journey. It would have been a painful journey. But the reason she's testifying is because it's a rewarding journey. And so often we say we've gone so far and we think we can kind of get off and wait to one side and, and just everyone else may be passed by, but God wants us to get to the end, the fullness of all that he has for us. So I think as, as we just sing this song, I would, I would ask that each and every one of us, no matter how young, how old, just take a few moments and say, really, where am I at right now? Every one of us can thank God for that journey. But I believe this is as much, and that's why the prophetic word was there, is about actually having faith for the rest of the journey. And I think today it would be amazing for God our Father to know there's a group of people here who are embracing the future, recognizing the past, and knowing the truth of that grace that will carry us every day. So let's sing, and then we'll just finally pray, and then we'll close the service. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.